BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to The Daily Break. I'm Andrew Tallman. Here's what's happening today at Newsweek. You may have heard that scientists are working to bring some extinct creatures back to life, such as the woolly mammoth, or we told you recently about the Tasmanian tiger. Well, now it turns out that scientists working at Christmas Island are trying to reincarnate a rat. Rattus McCleary, also known as McClear's rat, native to Australia, and get this, it grew to be only about a foot and a half from head to tail, had large, powerful teeth capable of feasting on the island's red crabs, and thick fur and black whiskers measuring about three inches in length. Now, if that description doesn't already give you a little bit of the heebie-jeebies, I want you to think about how they're planning to do this. What they do is they take existing rat genome, like from the brown rat, the Norway brown rat, and they compare it to some DNA they've discovered that gives them most of the Christmas Island rat's DNA, And then they put it in a machine using the CRISPR technology to edit the DNA of the living species to match the extinct one. And they think they've kind of got it. The only problem is they're missing some of the end target DNA. And so the process that they're planning to use is likely to produce one in which the giant long tooth hairy rat smells, but not as effectively or in the same way as its actual descendants would have. And in fact, because the process has a bunch of challenges to it. Apparently, they're going to be starting not with the Norway brown rat, but they're going to start with a black rat instead, turn it into the Norway brown rat in order to you know make sure the technique works just right, and then turn it into the Christmas Island rat. All I can think about is imagine the first date. You're there trying to meet some potential future sweetie. You ask what she does. She says, I'm a paralegal working on my Juris Doctorate. What do you do? Oh, I reincarnate giant extinct saber-tooth rats. Okay. All right. Waiter, check. But seriously, they're speculating about what sorts of things can be done with this technology, like, for example, bringing back the woolly mammoth. Do you really try to get a woolly mammoth, exact match, authentic, you know, factory model? Or do you just settle for getting a weird fuzzy elephant that'll live in a zoo and people can look at because it's got some funky tusks? Of course, my mind immediately wanders to the practical combinations of different known creatures, like, for example... What if they can just mix things like a chicken with a little bit of crab DNA so they have eight legs? Buffalo wing wealth, here I come. Are you familiar with the story of the shipwreck of the Endurance? This is the boat that was piloted by Sir Ernest Shackleton, who was one of these early Antarctic explorers that set records by going farther south than anybody else had ever gone. His team was the first to reach the 82nd latitude, heading for 90, right? Uh, He was also part of a team that finished the 88th latitude, only 97 geographical miles to the South Pole. Now, he wasn't part of the team that actually got to the South Pole first, but after that conquest was made, he turned his attention to crossing Antarctica by going across the South Pole, which is what led to the endurance voyage of 1914 to 1917. Unfortunately, this voyage did not turn out so well. The 27-man crew and one cat, not kidding, named Mrs. Chippy, found themselves stuck in ice. 
And as the ice took over the ship, they basically had to abandon ship as it was being damaged heavily and possibly crushed right around them. They survived by camping on the ice until the ice itself separated and melted, and then they could use the ship's lifeboats that they had used to get off the ship to get back in the ocean and sail north, ultimately landing on South Georgia Island in the middle of the Atlantic due east of the tip of Argentina. But what does all this have to do with us? Well some explorers have actually found the wreck of the Endurance. It's about 10,000 feet below the surface of the Weddell Sea, and video shows it to be in almost pristine condition, preserved presumably by the cold, but also by the lack of wood-eating microbes in that particular part of the water. You can clearly see in video footage that the ship is in fantastic shape. Although the ship is broken in places, you can still see the timbers are still intact, for the most part. Uh, The nameplate is clearly visible in gold letters on the stern, and there's various artifacts on board that you can see clearly. So what's going to happen to it? Well, everything about the ship is going to stay in place because it's actually been designated as a monument under the International Antarctic Treaty, so nothing can be removed from it. But what's captivated explorers all these years is that story of survival, the 800-mile rescue from the ice flow to the South Georgia Islands where they were eventually uh, taken back home. Now, if you're wondering, I have sad news for you. Although all 27 humans did survive the trip, the cat and also a couple of sled dogs were determined not able to survive, and so they had to be put down before they made the long voyage back home. This is a decision that caused some consternation among the crew, and some people held it as a grudge against the captain until the very day they died. But don't worry, Mrs. Chippy lives on in a postage stamp, a novel that was published in 1997, a bronze statue that was added to the gravesite of one of the crew members, and a 2002 Channel 4 miniseries entitled Shackleton. And finally, supermassive black holes. Scientists studying the Sagittarius A, an enormous black hole right at the heart of the Milky Way galaxy, have discovered something. It blows bubbles. Enormous bubbles. Bubbles that extend out 36,000 light years above and below the black hole, and scientists are studying these to figure out how they're formed as an indicator of how other things might be working inside of the Milky Way. And so far, there's kind of two different proposed theories. One, the starburst model, involves a powerful supernova explosion that occurs at the end of the massive star's lifetimes, pushing out the material. And the other one is more like the black hole is breathing in and out. Material approaches the black hole but is not swallowed in it and instead moves to the poles and then gets thrown back out into space, preventing the black hole from growing, but also pushing other material it encounters aside like a snowplow. If you watch the video of this over at Newsweek, it's a little hard to make out because it is so far away, but it just kind of looks like small white dots circling around the black area and moving in a trajectory over time that can only be described as circular. But by studying these bubbles, the astronomers are figuring out how much energy goes in, how much energy goes out, how long the energy injections took to form the bubbles. And the going theory now is that they were the inhale-exhale formation, not the starburst formation. All I know is when astronomers start talking about the formation of giant deep black hole bubbles going in and out and being formed and circling, I can't decide whether I'm a little bit more horrified about imagining the entire universe is the giant sarlacc from Star Wars or, or that maybe our galaxy is some wayward teenager in a popular 80s comedy waiting to spring to life with motivation. Oh, gnarly! That's it for your daily break. Be sure to head over to Newsweek.com for these stories and more, including our growing podcast lineup. 
And consider subscribing to our digital and print editions of Newsweek if you haven't already. And while you're here, take a second and hit that five-star rating for us. That lets us know that you think we're doing a good job. I'm Andrew Tallman. Thanks for listening to The Daily Break, brought to you by Newsweek.